I get it. We're all busy, which is why I'm sending out short, simple, but powerful tips via text to help you elevate your speaking business. Text me the word speaker to 704-228-9495 to get on this free list. That's the word speaker to 704-228-9495. Are you a meeting planner or hosting your own event and you're looking for incredible women speakers? We've got you covered. Head to micdropworkshop.com slash roster to find your next keynote speaker from our roster of vetted inspirational women. That's micdropworkshop.com slash roster. If you listen to any thought long enough, it becomes part of your personal playlist. That is a quote from Soundtracks by John Acuff, a book about the surprising solution to overthinking. And I am a serial overthinker. If you've been listening to this podcast for a while, or you follow me, you probably already know that. So I was so excited when John Acuff emailed me to endorse his book and get an early read of it. It is out now, Soundtracks, and let's listen to John Acuff with three ways that you can stop overthinking. What's up, everybody? It is Jess Ekstrom, and welcome to Business on the Bright Side, the podcast where you can learn how to make a living and make a difference at the same time. Life is short, and so is my attention span, so let's get started. Three ways to stop overthinking, coming straight from the book Soundtracks. So this is actually really easy to remember because they all start with R. So let's yeah, start I like with alliteration. Yeah. I'm an alliteration guy. So the first one um, I tell people is you have to retire your broken soundtracks. And when I say soundtrack, that's just my phrase for a repetitive thought. Some people say a thought is like a leaf on a river or a car on a highway or a cloud in the sky. But for me, it's a soundtrack. It's a re- repetitive thought that is playing in the background of your life. And so when mm-hmm. I say retire broken soundtracks, I'm saying, what are soundtracks that are holding you back? What are things you're telling yourself? Like the story of yourself that might not be helpful. It might not be moving you forward. So that's a broken soundtrack. So did you have a broken soundtrack? Cause like from the outside, you'd look at your Instagram, your Twitter followers and say, Oh yeah, John's got it. John's got it on lock. <laughs> Did you have it? Did you have a soundtrack that was playing that that kind of led you to think about what our inner dialogue is saying? I have a thousand. Like, yeah, I wish it was one. And I was like, yeah. And then I killed it and I buried it in a shallow grave <laughs> and I no longer overthink. No, I think I think we all have a number of soundtracks. I mean, somebody the other day asked me, they said, How do you get over imposter syndrome? And I thought that's a great question. And I would argue the word over is a broken soundtrack because it's a word of perfectionism. It means you climbed over a wall one time and it's done. Where I would say trade that, that gets us to our second R, which is a great segue, Mm -hmm. um, replace. Like the second R is replaced with a new soundtrack. The new soundtrack there is through. How do you go through imposter syndrome? Because you go through imposter syndrome, you go through fear. I've written seven books, a couple of them New York Times bestsellers. And there's still days that I'm like, I'm not a real writer. Other people are real writers. I don't, I don't know if they have a club, but I don't get to go to that club. And so I go through imposter syndrome. If you say over, you feel like a failure every time you feel fear, fear again, and you're going to. Well, so one of the things example. that you said in your book is that like broken soundtracks talk in absolutes. And always, never, forever. 
I think I was like, oh shoot. Like that was something that I really thought about because I'll be like, oh, well, I'm never going to get it to this point or I'm never going to sell enough books to where I'm, you know, this. And I realized some of the soundtracks that I have that are an absolute. So can you tell us what that is and why that is a broken soundtrack? Yeah, well, I mean, I think the it's kind of they're predicting the future. The soundtrack can't predict the future. But if they say, mm-hmm. I'll never be able to do this, they're predicting a future they don't control. So, mm-hmm. you know, I, I'll meet people that are 24 and they'll go, this is a once in a lifetime opportunity with some. And they're putting all this additional pressure. And I go, I sure hope not, because if not you don't it. do it well, you still have 40 years of work left. And I guess you just look back and go, I blew it when I was 24. It's not a once, like very few things in life are a once in a lifetime opportunity. And Absolutely. again, that's one of those, if I don't do this thing perfectly, I'll never get another shot. And you go, you have possibly 40, 50, 60 years ahead and we don't know what's going to happen. So yeah. don't listen to that always, never, forever. I think that's really important. Yeah, I'm going through you know, something right now with um, one of my businesses where it feels so definite, where I'm like, if I choose this, this is going to be my life. And if I choose that, that will be my life. And so this, it feels like such a heavy decision. And I'm like, and it's not, it's what, it's what I make it. Yeah. So here's what I'd say, like in moments like that, do a for now decision, not a forever decision. Mm -hmm. So like, for instance, I have a friend and we're talking about his logo. And I told him just the other day, I think you need to say this is my year one logo because logos are one of the stickiest perfectionism overthinking. You're like, I just have to find a symbol that perfectly captures my soul for the rest of my life. And like, you're going to find that on Fiverr. Like that's challenging. I mean, you're putting some pressure. So like, you're going to grow, you're going to change. Like, so I think it's much better to go. This is my year one logo. Like Mm -hmm. this is my year one podcast. This is my, like, if you go in, like whenever somebody says they want to write a book and they start talking about it, like, well, the book, like the book, and they're over dramatizing something that's already difficult. That's why writing is so hard. We, we have these broken soundtracks that say writing is easy. Just open a vein and bleed on the page. What? Or we go <laughs> writing is easy. Just go to the coal mine and find your soul. What? Not like, it. Yeah. No, that's so difficult. I'd rather you say I'm writing the next book. I'm writing yeah. the first book because if you call it the book, you think you only have one shot to get every single idea in and you've written books. The mm-hmm. second you finish a book, you find 50 other ideas that you didn't know you needed in there and you have to have the freedom to go, yeah, your next book ideas. Awesome. Like yeah. this is my first book. This is my second book. This is my next book. It's not the book. Exactly. Have you ever thought about starting a podcast to build your brand and get speaking reps? But then you realize, actually, wait, that sounds like a lot of work. For Amplify, we use EarFluence, a full service audio and video podcast production company. While anyone can and should start a podcast, I recommend you stay in your zone of genius and leave the podcast production to the experts. You can schedule a free consult today by visiting earfluence.com slash Amplify. That's earfluence.com slash Amplify. One of the most common questions I get is how to speak with confidence, whether you're giving a TED talk, leading a meeting at work, or even just speaking up at your kid's PTA meeting. So you're in luck. I created a short ebook with all of my favorite speaking hacks, and it is absolutely free. Go to micdropworkshop.com slash ebook. That's micdropworkshop.com slash 
ebook. I, I just watched the um, college admission scandal on Netflix. Have you oh, seen yeah. that yet? Yeah, I saw the trailer. It looked fascinating. So what I found fascinating about it, I mean, first, the whole thing is like so messed up. But the thing that I felt was more messed up is the pressure that is put on these high school students to get into these schools and feel like this is the deciding factor you know, for the rest of their life. And I Which know you have young girls, by it's the way. crazy. Like yeah. the idea I always tell, like, I don't get to speak to a lot of college students um, anymore. Cause I'm really focused on corporate uh, audiences, but I used to always tell like 18 year olds, 19 year olds, like any 45 year old who tells you they had their life figured out at your age is a liar. You, you Absolutely. No, yeah. like very few people. Now that's not to say you might not have said like, at nine, I knew I was going to be an ophthalmologist. Like I was in love with the eyeball. Like, great. Rock that out, dude. Do that career. But the majority of people, my career, like I told my little sister, I've got a sister 15 years younger than me. And I said, I couldn't have picked what I'm doing as a major because it didn't physically exist. Mm -hmm. I couldn't have majored in social media because it didn't exist. I didn't get an email address until I was a junior. And I was like, this is dumb. This will never last. So I couldn't have, <laughs> like a lot of my job right now, social media, influence, platform building, whatever phrase you want to use, didn't physically exist. So imagine me telling my junior year self, like, you're so dumb. Why didn't you pick right. Twitter to do? Because because it, it won't be invented for another 15 years. Like, it I don't, wasn't there. like, what am I supposed to do? You know, yeah. so I, I think we have to give kids way more grace to kind of figure it out as they go. Absolutely. The president of Headbands of Hope, she was like an, going to be an occupational therapist. And we just like happened to room together in, in college and get it started. And like, you know, people here now that I started my company when I was 18 and they're like, well, when I was 18, I was doing like keg stands and going to parties. And I was like, so was I, <laughs> that's yeah. exactly what I was doing too. I didn't have it all figured out. I was just kind of testing and like playing with stuff, but, um, okay. So we have retire, take us yep. back. Yeah. Retire is retire the broken soundtracks. So the soundtracks that are getting in your way, um, mm -hmm. the things that are probably not true. And the easiest way to find one, the easiest way to find a broken soundtrack is write down something you want to do. So write down, I want to start a company. I want to write a book. I want to ask somebody on a date. Mm -hmm. I want to ask for a raise, whatever the thing is, write down a desire and then listen to the first reaction. Listen to the thing you hear. And what I say is every reaction is an education. And if you'll pay attention, you'll probably be able to pretty easily identify a broken soundtrack. So that I want to write a book. Somebody smarter has already written your book. Who are you to write a book? Whoa, whoa, whoa. Like all you've done is write down, I want to do this thing. And you've already got 50, you know, 100 broken soundtracks playing. And once you identify one, then you can, you can retire it. And then the second thing is you replace it. You have to replace it with something that's helpful. Um, and, and that process doesn't have to be super challenging. I mean, I write books. My job, I consider, is to put handles on ideas. We have enough ideas in the world. We don't have handles on them to carry them with us to our Thursday, to our next week, to our next conversation. Mm -hmm. So I try to put really simple handles on ideas, which is why it's retire, replace, repeat. Um, so with replace, an easy way to do it would say, okay, what's the opposite of this? If I find this bad thing, what's the opposite of it? I, my example in the book is I realized that I was a terrible boss. I was the worst boss to myself. And I would 
And it took me a while to notice it, but I would, I have a timer on my phone, which I think is still an amazing productivity app. Um, but I would stop, like if I was doing 90 minutes of writing, I would stop it when I'd go leave to go to the bathroom. Like if I had a real boss that had a timer on their desk and was like, you taking a bathroom break. Okay. Those 90 seconds, go ahead and pause. That's your time. Now my time, like that's ridiculous. And so I didn't go on this vision quest to figure that out or figure out a new one to replace it with. I said, what would the best boss did? Like, can you imagine if you were the best boss to yourself? Cause we've all had good bosses, bad bosses. So what would the best boss do in that moment? And then I was able to go, okay, I'm going to be the best boss. Then I just turned that into a soundtrack. I'm the CEO of me and I'm the best boss I'm the mm-hmm. best boss. I'm taking personal responsibility. I'm the, like, whether you work at a big company, small company, you're still the CEO of you. Like Tom Peters talked about that 20 years ago in his book, brand you, which changed my life to think of myself as a brand. And think of myself as, okay, how do I represent myself inside this company? But I'm the CEO. And what would the best boss do in this moment? That's what I mean by replace. Got it. That's a really great way to flip the negative into a positive and then just try it on for size. Like what would someone who is the best boss do? Because sometimes like I, I, I think too hard about like almost criticize myself for thinking negatively. And I feel like it's just a downward spiral after that. Exactly. And then the other thing is like, we have this culture that's like, you got to be tougher on yourself. You got to like, there's so many motivational people that like, like I saw somebody the other day say, you have to, you should start each morning with a freezing cold shower because it'll prepare you for you to do tough things later. I was like, well, why would I start the day with something that sucks? Like I, like, can you imagine telling somebody who doesn't have hot water? Like, no, I just deliberately freeze myself <laughs> to make sure I'm tough. Like, that sounds like I would be such an angry person. Go drink your raw eggs after that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and exactly. so like, I, but I, what I've learned is like, I've never met somebody when somebody goes, I got to get my life together. I got to get my stuff together. I've never mm-hmm. met somebody a year later and I go, wow, your business is working. Your family's healthy. You're healthy. What'd you do? And they go, I just shamed myself. I told myself, <laughs> you've got to get your stuff together. And here I am. That never works. Like shame as a propellant to change never sustains you. Mm-hmm. Like it's a good little short term. It might give you a little bit of boost, but like anger is not a great long-term fuel. Shame's not a great long-term fuel. Doing it to show the haters wrong, not a good long-term fuel. All mm-hmm. of those empty you out versus fill you up. Yeah. And it just also makes it not fun. Like I, 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 I put fun as like a higher priority on like, any of my business dealings that I'm going into, I'm just like, yeah, like this could return a profit. This could do that. But like, am I going to be having a good time? Cause if not, then like, what's really the point of all this? Yeah. I have a friend who, uh, he likes to eat dessert first. Um, like when he goes to restaurants <laughs> with people and he always says like, he orders it first. And he always says, if somebody won't go along with me on that, then they're, they're not going to be fun. The rest of the business project, we probably don't need oh, to work together. I so love it's this that. really fascinating, small little litmus test. And if you go, that's dumb. Like, no, like, he's yeah. like oh, you might not be my people. That's okay. Right. Where there's a lot of people that be like, heck yeah. I'd be like, start. give me the whipped cream. Let's, let's do, do it. it. Yeah. yeah. That's definitely that. my style. Okay. So the last one is repeat and something that, um, I pulled from your book that I was like, again, had to highlight and tab was why is it so easy to repeat negative soundtracks internally and so hard to repeat positive soundtracks externally? Like, I think that's crazy. It's true. I think part of it is they're familiar. We've done Mm -hmm. it a thousand times. It's kind of like, I always, when somebody says, you know what, John, I'm trying to exercise more and it's not working. I'm not losing weight. And I'll go, well, how long have you been doing it? And they'll say 10 days. And I go, well, how long did it take you to gain the weight? And they'll say 10 years. I go, well, you're being really unkind to yourself. Like you gave yourself 10 years to 
do the gain the weight in 10 days to lose it, you need to extend the time frame. So I think part of it is that they're so familiar. We've listened to them so many times that they play automatically. Like the minute one of your listeners, um, you know, makes a mistake, all these other mistakes that they've thought about come up and play instantly. And mm-hmm. the new one is fresh and it's delicate and it, it needs our help to actually stick. So the book, the goal of the book isn't that you have a new thought. The goal is that you take that new thought and turn it into new action that gets you new results. Mm-hmm. So like when I say repeat, I mean, I would like you to have a hundred different ways you repeat it. Like I'm sitting in my office right now. Like I can look at notes that are on the wall. Like I'll grab one. Hold on. Like this one says, ask for more. And I wrote it on August 27th, 2020, because I was undervaluing my work in negotiations. So I just, mm-hmm. it's not, it's not memorable. Like that doesn't rhyme. It's not as good as just do it. But I was just like, you got to remember, ask for more. That's a yeah. positive new soundtrack versus what, you know, a broken soundtrack in that one might be, if you ask for too much, they'll think you're selfish. Or who mm-hmm. do you think you are to ask that much? Those are broken soundtracks. Story of my ask life. More. Yeah. I put it on a note because I'm going to forget it. We don't. We have a really hard time remembering the wins and a really easy time remembering the failures. Mm-hmm. Like in, though another way I say it is like fear comes free, hope takes work. Mm-hmm. So fear will find you. You never have to go look for a negative thought. Like we've all been in the grocery store and a negative thought out of nowhere, something dumb we said three years ago finds us. And so, but on the other hand, you do have to go find positive things. So that's what I mean by repeat is that, you know, whether you tie it to a symbol, um, you know, I, I have this, uh, here's a pine cone that I have on my desk from Jackson Hole, Wyoming, because I remember the soundtrack I wanted for that was don't miss it. Like, don't mm-hmm. miss it. I'm going on spring break, spring break in the middle of a book launch. It would be very easy for me to emotionally like to physically be there and emotionally absent because mm-hmm. I'm like, Oh, book launches, all these details. So mm-hmm. I was like, no, my, my soundtrack for that trip is don't miss it. Don't miss it. Don't miss it. I picked up this pine cone on the street, hundred percent free, by the way, they just <laughs> give them away. They're everywhere. Um, and now it's on my desk and now it's a reminder. Oh yeah. Don't miss it. Don't miss it. So that's what I mean by repeat is you've got to be deliberate and creative to give that new soundtrack a fighting chance against this old one that's been around for maybe a while. Yeah. And it's not just about thinking and repeating it in your head. What I like that you've shared is like finding ways to visually be reminded, you know, whether it's the pine cone, like, or whether it's the post-it note. I mean, I think sometimes I'll get in a groove for like 30 minutes. I'm like, I'm the best, I'm the CEO, like advocate for yourself. And then 45 minutes later, I'm like, ah, like I can't do it. And so finding things that you can put in front of you. Well, and knowing it's going to happen and that's, Mm -hmm. and that's okay. And so um, the way I kind of look at it, I like to teach people to build a motivation portfolio. So we sometimes think we need one form of motivation. Sometimes Mm -hmm. we misinterpret Simon Sinek's start with why, as in there's a true North, a one thing, one thing that forever and I like to have multiple forms of motivation because on some days, five on my list won't even move the needle. On some days, 10 won't, but I want to have a bunch. So like when I decide to do a running goal or a family goal or a spiritual goal or any type of goal, I try to come up with as many forms of motivation that that I can possibly have so that if my one quits, I don't quit because that's what often happens. We go, I'm doing it for my kids. I'm doing this for my kids. And then there's going to be some days you're like, my kids can figure out college on their own. Like, I don't need mm-hmm. to earn that much. Like you just aren't, and you, you'd feel bad as a parent, even admitting that, but that's the truth. Like, and there's some days where like the song gets you out of bed. Awesome. That's on your motivation, yeah. you know, portfolio song number four, like you m and right out of bed. You're like, I'm going to lose myself on <laughs> spaghetti. Awesome. But there's other days where the song won't work. The, the note from a reader who likes you won't work. 
Yeah. The, I'm doing it for my family won't work. And you want to have as many forms of motivation on that list. And it's the same with repeating it. You want to have as many tangible examples versus I just hope this thought I have in my head stays and is able to fight the thought I've had for five years. Like, yeah. I don't like those odds. I would much rather you stack the odds in your favor. I love that. Having that motivation menu. Cause yeah, some days like the, the gas in the tank just isn't there. Um, okay. So to recap three ways, to stop overthinking, retire those old thoughts that aren't serving you anymore, replace them with new ones and repeat. But one of the things that um, a lot of my listeners are aspiring to do or are doing are, um, writing and publishing books and oh. speaking. So can you give some parting advice to the people who uh, are just wanting to put their words and their thoughts out into the world, whether that's books or speaking, but are getting in their head? Because um, that's, I mean, it's it's so hard to feel like everyone needs to listen to what I have to say and they also have to pay for it. You know, it's just, yeah. it, no matter how deal. successful you are at one or the other, um, yeah. I still get like that sometimes. Oh, yeah, so what sure. do you do? So, I mean, I remember everybody's human. Like an audience isn't full of like ideas. It's full of humans. And so like when I, when I speak, I try to speak to one person. I look for a handful of people that are smiling because I believe every speaker has laser vision for the person who looks furious or disconnected. Oh, yeah, and what sure. I've learned too, is that sometimes they just have a thinking face. Like I've had so many speeches where they'll come up after and go, the person who I thought hated what I was saying will come and go, that was so good, man. I was really <laughs> thinking through some, and they just, that's their face. So like, I have to remember that. When it comes to writing, when it comes to really anything in life, one of my soundtracks is it'll be a success or a story. It'll mm. be a success or a story. Either I'll win it or I'll get a story that I can share and encourage other people. So, mm. hey, I tried this thing. I did a, you know, a book signing line and nobody came. Okay, well, that's a story. Like, so mm. then I'll, you know, I'll share that with other people. Um, and then one that I use to write a specific writing soundtrack is three pages is plenty. Like mm. there's this lie when you sit down that a broken soundtrack would be like, uh, you should be able to do like 800 pages today. Like every other writer writes for nine hours a day. And it's, and the truth is like three pages is plenty. If I get three pages of ideas and not good ideas, then I'm, then I'm okay. And then the other thing is like, another one is it always takes multiple drafts. Like there's yeah. no, like every, everything I've ever written has been better on the fifth draft than the first. But yeah. I like on the first draft, I forget that I sit down. I'm like, this is stupid. It's terrible. But so yeah. like, I think about it like this. Some days I write that first draft as a gift to the, to next week, John, mm. next week, John is going to open that file and be like, Oh, like it's messy, but like, yeah. there's it's a starting point. Work yeah. this. And the hard work is that first one. And mm -hmm. then the other thing I'd say is like a soundtrack. I say is I don't believe in writer's block. I believe in idea bankruptcy. If you're having a hard time writing, you haven't filled yourself with enough, enough ideas. And so mm -hmm. I think whether that's reading, conversations with friends, asking strangers questions, listening to podcasts, I never sit down to a blank piece of paper. I always bring some friends with me, my ideas with me, because it's much easier to connect a bunch of ideas than it is to sit with a blank piece of paper and go, okay, heart, let's try it, to yeah, do this let's difficult do it. thing. Yeah. For sure. And yeah. then the last one, Seinfeld says writing is a game of tonnage. And I like that word. He says, what, what is that? Tonnage. Like you just got to do tons and tons of writing. Mm. Like it's a game of tonnage. And I love that. The idea of like, yeah, I probably wrote 180,000 words to create a 50,000 word book. Like that's what soundtracks has. Like yeah. this book has 50,000 words in it and they're the right words, 
but I had to write like 180,000 to get there. And I don't throw them away. There's other uses. Some I definitely threw away, um, but it is a game of tonnage. Yeah, for sure. I got to put all the plates on the table to see what, you know, you need to remove, but I love that it's either success or a story. That's amazing. So where can people find soundtracks and find you? Yeah. Um, if they want to read the first uh, chapter, you just go to soundtracksbook.com. So soundtracksbook.com. Um, and I also have a podcast called All It Takes is a Goal because um, I'm a huge goal nerd. And I think that starting is fun, but the future belongs to finishers. So I love mm-hmm. helping people finish their goals. I've got a shelf of books in my office that people have sent after connecting with my ideas about finishing. That's so fun to have somebody go, this was in my laptop for seven years and now it's actually on a shelf. Yeah. Um, so yeah, the podcast, check out the podcast. And then I'm just John Acuff on Instagram. Um, Acuff.me is my website. You can find me all over the internet. Awesome. Thanks for being here. Yeah. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening to Business on the Bright Side with Jess Ekstrom. I love to send out the episodes every Monday with a quick text and a quote from me. So text me the word podcast to 704-228-9495. That's 704-228-9495. And if you want to see what the show notes are from this episode, head to businessonthebrightside.com. Hit subscribe here, write a review, and I'll see you on Monday.